0: edition of Spocklight, the Star Trek podcast, from a non-trekkie perspective. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Matt. Hello. And we are also joined by a very special guest, although there is no board today, we can more than make up for it with Linda McGarrickle.
1: Oh, what an intro.
0: <laughs> did I get your name
1: right? You did get my name right. <laughs>
0: Listeners, we would have had to re-record that if I fucked up. (laughs) Okay, so I've done well. Uh, Linda, thank you so much for joining us today, or tonight, as we are recording about 10.30 at night here in Old London Town. And we are in a hotel room, so if you notice a slight echo, it's because we're in Linda's massive hotel
2: room. Well, yeah, this is because it's the most futuristic hotel room I've ever seen. Literally, it's like a fucking spaceship. And when we were in the fucking lift... Up to the room
0: there was a sticker next to the uh, next to the buttons go beam me up
1: I what yes. like, fuck yeah we're actually on board the Enterprise right now I like. didn't even put that together until you point out and in my head I'm like oh we're gonna walk in this room and it's gonna be like kids in like Toyland. <laughs> it yeah.
2: feels like the doors here should make a and go sideways yeah, yeah especially this see-through bathroom yeah <laughs> It's very, very, very nice. Thank you for letting
0: us record here. No, no Um, no bother. Thanks for having me on. And we have been to see today Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, the brand new Dungeons and Dragons film, starring Chris Pine, Mm -hmm. Captain Kirk himself, who's our track connection today for another edition of Spotlight at the Movies. The Fred Var podcast, where we talk about film featuring a member of Star Trek alumni, either in front or behind the camera. Obviously, in this case, it is in front of the camera. He's the lead of the film. And this is a film that's literally just come out one week ago. Uh, at time, so this of is relatively recording. hot off the press.
2: Perhaps. Yeah, I mean for us,
0: this is a this is a hot take, scorching hot take, I was try- or as uh, Hugh Grant might say in this film, piping hot and <laughs>
2: far too <laughs> hot. This tea is scorching. <laughs> I was trying to think: has there been uh, a Spotlight moves we've done this close to something coming out, this new? Because oh. obviously we went and saw Motion Picture again and did a uh, directly before and after. But the motion I mean. picture had been out for
0: 40 years. Yeah, exactly. Well, 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 we, well, not a scorching <laughs> <I know. laughs> I mean, It was the director's edition in 4K, which was new. Um, but, yeah, I don't
2: think... Because there's not been that many of our, think of, our, off the of our Trek alumni guys appearing in new stuff. Well, because even... I mean, I, there has.
0: It's, it's our failing, not theirs. <laughs> uh, Track casting crew. Because even when we did the um, first episode of Discovery, we did a episode of the pilot of uh, Discovery. I think even when we did that, it's still been out for about a month.
2: Or yeah, like but that. not a year
0: plus. It's, no, no, it's no a not, a year, not a year plus. Star Trek Beyond would have been it time if we'd like because we were recording the podcast when we went to see that, and if we'd immediately recorded like straight after. It would have been, but we waited a year, basically, because that's when we started the podcast. Had we
2: done those first two episodes when we saw Beyond? Or was that
0: just before? Yeah, I think we we hadn't released anything, but we'd recorded, like, the first two or three. So, yeah, I I think this is probably the most hot-off-the-presses thing we've ever done, uh, more than likely. So, it was just a case of uh, Linda was in London for Star Wars Celebration. Correct. That's right, yeah, and we were like, let's take the opportunity to get together as, this is a Dungeons & Dragons film, and you are a Dungeons & Dragons player, are you not?
1: I Correct, I am a Dungeons & Dragons player, as of about September last year.
0: So you're a recent convert.
1: Fairly recent convert, although a long-time fan, have wanted to play, you know, much like a lot of people since, like, the first season of Stranger Things came out and got it back right. in the zeitgeist, okay, yeah. but, you know, it's hard sometimes to find groups to... D- to get get together with the mm. play, so it feels
2: like it is becoming really hot and trendy again. Dare I say, like uh, people finding their groups. There's a lot of like jokes online about how hard it is to arrange sessions with groups and things. So it's like it's becoming more finding your people and getting the games going. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, yeah, like you say, a lot more media these days seem to be showing it in a in a in a better light, where it felt like you know back in the day it was much more of a deeply nerdy property.
1: I would say it's, Showing it more in an accessible light. Uh And actually, most people I speak to now, they want to play, but the difficulty is they don't know how and they don't know other people who play. So if you don't know someone who already plays, how do you get into it? Yeah,
0: of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you started playing last September, you said. Correct. And uh, it is now June. No.
2: no, it's not. No, it's, <laughs> <helpful>.
0: it's, <laughs> not, it's, <laughs> not, it's not even close. I've, I've blasted forward into the future. It's because we're in this futuristic hotel room. I've just been up the, the,
1: the It's the lights around the TV that's really through we're, yeah.
0: we're in for the future. No, it's April. So You've um, done a discovery there and just see, whoosh. See, have you been playing intensively? Have you played lots of games in a short time?
1: Uh, so, what I would say is, when I first started playing in September, I joined an existing party and game. Uh, so, that was meant I had to start the game at level 17. Uh, right. So, my character had to start at level 17, when normally you'd maybe start like level 3. Right. Uh, so, that was quite a steep learning curve, shall yeah, we say. Yeah, yeah. That's an in-person game that's uh, roughly every two weeks, although the scheduling thing is totally a, it's an accurate <laughs> joke. Um Because it is difficult, if someone can't make it, then it doesn't happen. Um, Or you need like a minimum amount of players to run the session. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also now, just before Christmas, I started playing in an online game as well. So I, in that game, the uh, Dungeon Master is Italian uh, and the rest of the players are in America and Canada. Mm -hmm. So we play quite solidly every Thursday night. Wow, Uh, okay. So we're on session, I think we just had session 22. So that's been like twenty-two weeks we've been playing.
0: Okay, so you feel like you've really, so you must have really taken to it.
1: Like I would long. say the jump from like joining my first game, which is still ongoing, I'm still in the first in-person game. Right. Um, and then just the learning after like a few sessions with that to then start playing online. Um, and then also the online game was specific, specifically tailored for new players. Right. Um, because you know you do need a bit more help when you don't know mm. mechanics. Um, much like anything, the more you do it, the more confident you get in it. The the better you learn what you're able to do. You also give, get time to read all the textbooks that come along <laughs> with the game. Uh, and yeah, so like, it just sort of feeds on itself. And I think the more I'm putting into it, the more I'm getting out of it, which means I want to put more into it. Yeah. Again.
2: Has that all been the same story, the same campaign? So, the online one? Because that's a lot of sessions. Yeah, so. so the
1: online one is the same story. We're on yeah. chapter two um, of unknown chapters. I don't know that's <laughs> up to the DM to make up for that. And how many sessions is that for? Uh, 22. So that's like four hours per So how,
0: what was that? Is it you're on chapter two of the <laughs> same, of the same game. Like, how long so, like, can you, it last?
1: Oh, I mean, uh, long-term, ca- like, normal campaigns could last for anything like two, three years. Fucking hell. It out. depends on how often you play, it depends on how long you want to run it for, it depends if you are able to all commit to the same time and um, you know something might happen and i might have to leave my game and we have to kind of exit my character and mm.
0: we people point. complain about monopoly going on for a while <laughs> oh no
1: <laughs> and, but the thing is it's not so much like it is a game but really it's group storytelling that's probably the better way to describe it so right. it's not any one person's job to make it a good story mm. and you know sometimes we all have a bit of an off week and we can be be a bit quiet and we're not really getting into to character yeah. as much as we could do.
2: Like this entire episode was just us around <laughs> a campfire. Yes, uh-huh. it's like we're
1: just yeah. talking, <laughs> talking, talking shop. But then you know, other times you can get really into the the emotions of what's happening. Yeah. Um, so like recently, we just had a one of the characters in the group um, was put, accused falsely of well, semi falsely of murder and tried and was going to be executed. <laughs> Brings
0: wow, it intense! So, yeah. Like uh, when you say. It is a game, I thought you were going to go, it is a game, but it is also life.
1: I mean, you can make it as much of your life as you want to. Um, I don't really think I could commit to more games than I'm in. Um, I think I'm probably good at a weekly game and a fortnightly game. You can also, to be fair, um, you can also run much shorter campaigns that maybe last like four or six sessions, or you could do a one-shot that's just like a single night. Mm.
2: So the Dungeon Masters are following a text story all going off piece? Because I always thought you could just do it where if someone's imagination was good enough, they could just run it. But if you're taking it yeah. from a thing, then there must be an end part of the story anyway.
1: So there's the, the element of the rules. So current set of Dungeons & Dragons rules are 5e. Some people play with older rules, okay. um, or on different uh, tabletop role-playing game rules entirely. Generally speaking, when someone's talking about Dungeons & Dragons, they're talking about 5e, unless they're specifically saying otherwise. With that, you can either pick up a module or a campaign that already exists and is produced by the company. Or you can come up with something that's completely homebrew, which is you just making up the world, how it works. You obviously have to follow the mechanics around the rules, and then that also leads into the mechanics that the players can have with their characters in terms of what they can do and who they can be. And also you can do a mix-up. So you mm. can take a module or a campaign and just alter it as you see fit.
0: And the idea is you are meant to be following kind of the, what the uh, the dungeon master or the, the person, at the, the games master or whoever they are you're meant to be following their story, essentially, kind of along.
1: Not necessarily, because that's up to what choices we make as players. Ah,
0: well, see, this is so interesting. So
1: they have to, you know, they present us two routes. We might not go the route that's got the most fun things. We might go on the route that's got the most dangerous things. Right. So but they, it's right, right.
2: still an element of the story it's that still, they can then tell.
1: They have to create a world. Yeah. It's yes. Yeah. Yes. So even
0: so if you, that's what I mean, even if you select a certain thing, they're still kind of guiding. Yeah, they're reactionary. The, guiding right? the, yeah. the, the, the path. Because. But you
2: wouldn't go, oh, no, we're going to make up a third route ourselves and go down here.
1: I mean, you could choose not to. Uh, there's also the element of uh, chance when it's if it's something about rolling a dice. So yeah. basically, it's not up to us to necessarily decide something. We might have to roll one of the many yeah. dice that we have available, and that makes the decision. Not, us.
2: Us, not up to us to decide well, something. To this say. This the thing yeah.
0: I, I thought is only right that I mentioned at this point Adam Johnston, who is the composer of our amazing Theme Tune? Uh, so thank you, Adam, and hello Adam, if you are listening. And he has a podcast called Pretending with Dice. Amazing podcast for anyone interested in tabletop kind of gaming and role-playing games and stuff like that. Uh, he plays kind of you know, a variety of, of various different kind of games on that, including the Star Trek Adventures uh role-playing game. And he invited us onto his podcast to do that. As long-time kind of, listeners may remember. Yeah, limited series early on in his his podcast history. And when we went on, <laughs> he'd created this entire story for us to play through. But I, I'd i never played anything like this before. And in my head, I just thought that the idea was that you basically just do whatever. Kind of like you can basically decide what you're doing. And so I went completely rogue. <laughs> And like literally just started like taking over the ship, like launching a mutiny lot on the ship, like Terra started executing prisoners, all kinds of mental stuff, trying to murder the captain. And he was like, Oh like... like... <laughs> <laughs> this
1: the thing There's a nice thing
0: on there. And Adam was quite upset, it was just kinda like, Oh, cause I've arranged all this story and I was like, Oh, I dunno mate, i was do this. Like yeah. So we went all kind of uh, all kind of crazy on that until I got locked up. Like uh, in the story I should have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: a, it's a but, bloody good thing uh, we've uh, got a stop to stop you. I'm I mean, you. it
0: was it it was a great. I definitely suggest kind of hunting it down uh, if you haven't heard it. This because it is it's basically like our own. Star Trek kind of radio plays because uh Adam does some amazing yeah, yeah. audio kind of post-production on it to
2: make it more like a sort of audio. <laughs> we're, we're bickering over the comms and it's yes, like yeah. comms radio sound effects. So so funny. He does
0: a great job. So I recommend that podcast anyway, but it's quite quite a fun companion piece. <laughs> I don't like it, it can't be <laughs> I think if you, ever, if you ever get out of this alive there's going to be some serious shit
1: yeah there. I mean
2: <laughs> there's some severe attitude problems right going on on this, this starship man <laughs> you need
0: to learn to low, okay so are you going to ask you what's going on you?
2: yes pl- please t- what, what's happening commander
0: well captain I'm recommending myself for accommodation. I just ordered that we blow a Klingon bird of prey out of the fucking sky
2: Keep your language civil, please, Commander.
0: <laughs> We've disabled their engines, their shields, their weapons. We've transported their entire bridge crew to the brig. We have been victorious.
2: I wasn't aware we were at war with the Klingon Empire, Commander, but um, will, uh, we'll see how this <laughs> shakes out when I get back. Um, they were friends, Captain. I don't, I'm not disputing that, but obviously, this is a delicate situation. Is it? Yes, it's... <laughs> Need I remind you again, we are... Uh, You've
0: this. always been soft on the Klingons.
2: <laughs> <the> new captain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will not break that turn from you, Commander. This is my vessel. Is it true <laughs> that you
1: campaigned for a stay of execution on
0: Commander... Klingon. <laughs> Committed war crimes.
2: I'm not aware of any Commander Klingon uh, that we've ever put on trial in the Federation.
0: <laughs> I don't know them by name. I'm not as close and fuzzy to them as you
2: are. <laughs> this is really taking a turn.
0: You're trying to play God a little bit too yes, much. Yeah. Clearly, I was not set up for these these kind of things mm. the day. But, or is so, yeah. it
1: that just your real self being shown through the, the medium of getting to do whatever you want i mean probably
0: <laughs> like, uh, yeah. to be honest commander kane mccarthy
1: wow. <laughs> and, uh, also just to be clear i am in no way saying that i'm an expert on on anything like rules or how people want to play in my opinion everyone has their own play style they want to play you find the right people that you enjoy playing a game with and you run it with that there you go. You know.
0: There you go. and you are going to go to a castle to play D and D. Is that right?
1: I am. I'm going to D and D in a castle in July. It's five days trip, but it's three days like solid eight hour sessions with fairly well known DM that you've picked, where you play a complete story with uh, a group of relative strangers. I believe we get to. Know who we are beforehand, yeah. but
2: yeah, you'll be firm friends by the end of that. Oh yeah, eight-hour yeah. days.
1: Uh, I imagine it'll be like really emotionally draining. Yeah, <laughs> it'll
2: be like. Some uh, camp I mean, my only comparison
0: <laughs> is uh, back in the days of us going to the casino in uh, Bournemouth.
1: Where's like, this comparison uh, going? <laughs> yeah.
0: oh, well, no, it terms of because in me, the castle, remember. me and Ross. <laughs> who was a guest on this podcast many, many years ago, literally used to sit around that blackjack table for eight hours like, at <laughs> a time. Like, and you'd get to know the other players, the Players and everything that. So, you know, you get, all get invested in each other and kind of what you're doing. So that's my only kind of comparison. But yes, yeah, so we actually went to see Dungeons & Dragons on Among month today. At Pitch House Central Lovely venue To go and see a movie Incredible yeah. Kind of setup up And uh, And I've never audio. been there before So that was a great Yeah
1: Don't yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. be
0: at mm-hmm. Yes exactly I mean literally Blasting you out of your seat. If there are any Cunts talking Like you won't be able To hear them Because it will Fucking blast them Out of the skies Yeah Which is exactly What you want That but, answers
1: my next question Which was Can we swear on this podcast oh, <laughs> You
0: can swear As much as you Fucking like uh yeah, so we all went to see this together, but this was actually your second viewing, wasn't it, Linda? Uh
1: it was. I was someone who went to go see it on the day it came out on opening
0: oh, <laughs> day. Wow. Opening day first screening?
1: Uh no, I waited until um because I think the first screening was something like one o'clock in the afternoon because it's because of yeah. the age rating yeah, yeah, on yeah. it. So I waited uh, also at my cinema that I go to in Edinburgh for sort of the bigger releases when I want to see them on like the opening day. Um, I've got a particular screen that I like and a particular seat that I like. So it was the quarter to eight screening that I went
0: to. Yeah, this is Linda's seat. No one else yes. there. Yeah,
1: it's like I'm <laughs> that. Thank you.
0: Okay, cool, cool. And did you resent having to see it for a second time? Or? Not at
1: all. And I thought actually I appreciated it more
0: the second time. Wow. Okay, okay. Well, that's it's a good good response. I totally didn't uh, realise this is your second time around. Yeah. I did yeah. ask if it
1: was okay, and I was told it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No certainly, what, all it means is just you'd be more prepared than we are for our own podcast. And, uh, Matt, I, I believe you enjoyed this as well.
2: I did, very much so, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. 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 first reactions are, I kind of love this.
1: Here's the thing. We're a team of thieves. Then when you do this
2: you're bound to make enemies. Sometimes those enemies come looking for revenge. Truth be told, we help the wrong person steal the wrong thing. We didn't mean to unleash the
1: greatest evil the world has ever known, but we're gonna fix it. Well, how do we pull that off? Uh, figure it out over a drink? Probably best.
2: You need to then give us a fighting chance. We're gonna need strength. You got this, right? I know you don't. We also need courage, Back to and... magic, and you.
0: I also really enjoyed it, but like, yeah, I think maybe not quite as much, but I did. Well, I've got some thoughts, but I definitely had a great time. So, this is written and directed by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, uh, who previously wrote and directed Game Night, yep. uh, which you and me went to see together. Yeah, a great time we had there. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, awesome they're becoming time. a formidable duo, as like you say, the Game Night and Vacation beforehand, but also writing credits on Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. The Flash this year. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah they've got writing credits on that. They, yeah. Is that a case of they wrote a script and someone else has written another version, being The Flash went through so many I don't actors, know which or... order
2: it was. It seemed to be from the letterbox. It's those two plus Christina Hodson, and then they had some okay. other people credited as previous writers. Oh, so okay, maybe so it
0: might be actually their actual yeah, script, yeah. which, you know, I mean, that... Kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think
2: yeah. the trailer there might be those sort of vibes in there Yeah but, um, definitely yeah. Also did Horrible Bosses as well Yeah they, so they wrote the scripts For yep, the Horrible yep. Bosses yep. films yeah, yeah, And yeah. the uh, first
0: Horrible Bosses is very good And so, the second yeah. Cloud
2: a Chance of Meatballs
0: Oh That's really yeah. that as well that Oh, Well that makes sense with the Lord and Miller Kind of yeah. Yeah, feel There's a similar vibe going on there I mean Game Night was a total surprise When yeah. that came out Because I remember seeing the trailer for Game Night And just thinking it looked terrible Like, uh, literally, I was just like, what the fuck is this? I think it had all like, all, kind of moments in one of those trailers that was put together where the moments in the trailer just didn't work in a trailer Good mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, you know, and then when, but when you actually saw them within the concert mm-hmm. film, it was like, oh, okay, great. I remember you me, it was a okay, case so I only went because suddenly it started getting great reviews. And I was like, oh, I, okay, man, I'll give it a go. And we went, we went, holy shit, this is really, really good. This is like David Fincher directing a comedy or something. <laughs> like, yeah, really, really fun movie. So when they were announced for this, and it, it is one of those things where, obviously, Game Night was a kind of big super hit, I would imagine. And I do think they got this film because they directed a film about games, <laughs> <laughs> about, like, board games. And then they went, like, oh, these would be the perfect because I do think that's how basic bitch Hollywood Studios XX are. They were like, you directed Game Night well, we, here's another game we have the rights to. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. You <laughs> like, yeah. But, I mean, I get the impression that they were possibly fans, maybe, of the world. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe.
2: Yeah. I haven't heard anything from interviews, but of course, uh, it's John Francis Daly... From uh, Freaks and Geeks Back in the day Yeah so he's certainly one of the geeks. Within fiction He yeah. enjoyed the game Because they have, many, geeks. Yeah they have At least that one episode Where they all play a game And James Franco comes And is like yeah. a surprise big fan Even though he's like The jock Yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah. So it's funny thinking that like twenty. Well, isn't it that isn't it within the episode
0: that he isn't a fan, but he gets he gets, invite, really he gets invited in and gets into it as he yeah. goes along. Yeah,
2: and yeah, he's yeah. only going along. I think it's been a while since I've seen it because he's fallen out with the others. At this yes,
0: point. he's fallen out with the freaks. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. oh, I
2: hang out with these with these nerds instead. And it's yeah.
0: just like, oh, well, actually, I'm having a great time. <laughs> no, it's it's a really fun episode, and obviously, John Francis Day has kind of had a weird career trajectory since then going away from being an actor to being more a writer director and he's done really really fantastic you know what he life. is
2: in a lot of what? Bones oh because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bones has come up on this show before because Paul Paul and Paul's uh, wife have yeah, uh, been watching a lot of it Bones like back to back and now uh, two of my housemates are doing the same
0: thing oh so my god every night everyone love, do you love a bit of Bones Linda uh.
1: I wouldn't say I'm religiously watching it. I've seen it a little bit, but not it's, anything
2: comment it's so on. Weird. It, it's, it feels like an undertaking. Yeah, it's well, like... 12 gotta, seasons of you, you, yeah, you to yeah, love yeah. it. It's like the cold opens are like six feet under or something, whereas instead of a death every cold open, they, it's some random character stumbling upon a body somewhere. Yeah, because it's like cold case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there was an episode we watched the other night, and it's like it suddenly turned into 24. Like I was only half watching, but suddenly it was like... David Borean is back in his like FBI agent mode or whatever and, and he's taking down terrorists, like shooting a guy in the face in like a car park, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? Why is this turning to Jap out? And then it just went back to being bones. But um My yeah, sense. Phil and Francis Daly is is one of the like lab guys in that for like a mm, the time I think.
0: Because
2: yeah. <laughs> I did look up his um acting uh letterbox in terms of movies, and it is like nothing. It's like mm. it's like small parts Ooh, in the film he's but then TV, you have got freaks and geeks and bones. Mm. Mm. Listeners, if you got a boner for bones, why are you? <laughs> it's really very it's really distracting if you watch an episode and you just hear the word bones so much it starts to lose meaning and to the point where I just googled like how many times did they say bones in the TV show Bones? Mm-hmm. And someone has done like worked out by like downloading every single script and like and searching, searching for and
1: it. it yeah. And it's
2: like two thousand plus or whatever, and only like a third of it is actually referring to bones themselves. All the others are referenced to the character called Bones. Or just people saying bones. So. They really should have used the killer song for the theme like,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um Yes, so they, they have a really interesting uh, career at the moment. I'm, I'm definitely interested in whatever they do because, yeah, the script to Spider-Man Homecoming mm. is fucking great as well. Vacation, not so much, but, like, yeah, it's, it's still a, it's still
2: okay. That came uh, before yeah. Game, right? Oh, before yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that feels yeah. like a good trajectory. It's like, here's a comedy remake that is going to be... Hard to like have a big win on anyway, but they mm. did a good shot. Then game like original one, yes, and now yeah, a big yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. studio franchise fantasy piece and
0: hundred yeah, percent. And fun. I must admit, as someone who is you know never really experienced Dungeons and Dragons, their involvement was the thing that got me interested because when I heard that they were going to be writing directed film as their follow up to game, I was like, oh okay, that's that's interesting, that's different. They're obviously going to bring a different vibe to it. You know, I mean, you assume there would be a comedy element, and there mm. very much was. And I do think that was 100% the right road to go down, because although, you know, I, I don't get the impression that Dungeons and Dragons as a game is naturally infused with. Tons of comedy
1: really um, depends on who. Well, I think, Yeah, I say, I say it <laughs> depends who's
0: kind of running the game, I suppose.
1: Well, I, I wouldn't say running. It depends on what you as your well, what your yeah, character. what players and stuff yeah. like. Yeah, I
0: suppose so. I suppose so. But it is because it is something that let's let's face it, Dungeons and Dragons is so entrenched in nerddom that it almost feels like a real a real fringe type thing. Which suddenly Stranger Things has kind of brought into the mainstream side um, because of that. I think comedy was the only way to go. I think it had to have that levity, that lightheartedness, and
2: that yeah. willingness to kind of laugh at itself a little bit I to get that, the mainstream audience on board. I think the tone was really interesting and really the right way to go because you could have either gone straight fantasy, and which I guess the 2000 Dungeons & Dragons does probably Bad, Badly. I, I get I comedy. certainly
0: certainly get the feeling that that is the
2: playwright yeah. strike. Yeah. or you go more fourth wall breaking comedy because you can imagine a version of this film where it references more the fact that it is a game and you could have an omniscient yes. dungeon master and I, dice rolls and stuff I mean all I suppose it's an
1: important point out where it's not a game like what well, yeah. they're portraying is not a no, game. No, yeah, no, They're portraying a world. They're portraying, yeah, they're they're
2: portraying the world
0: that is, you know. I presume, mm. I, I presume. Do you think? I mean, that's a that's a good point. As someone who has played the game and stuff, do you think this is an authentic it? representation of the world of Dungeons and Dragons?
1: Well, it's certainly uh, an authentic portrayal of one of the worlds because it's based on one of the realms. Right. I believe it's the realms. Um, I can already hear people who love Dungeons and Dragons. Typing away with me. Forgotten <laughs> Realms. So it's based on Forgotten Realms. So those those sort of like really good, sweet, because I thought, being the second viewing, um, I was like, oh, look at these backgrounds and these vistas and these locations they're in that we don't really get to see because it's not where the story's happening. Right. But you could imagine as like, as a player, you could be like, oh, you could be doing, we could be doing something near that volcano. Mm. Like there could be a quest going right, on right, that right. takes us there. Because um, we kind of went all the way from, spoiler alert, <laughs> we kind of went all the way from like the prison they started in, in this like Arctic tundra And then travelled through sort of more ice realms back into more sort of green fields into into what was the equivalent of like medieval cities. And then there was those volcano areas. And then we had like underground treacherous paths to Mm -hmm. cover. So like all of those are like settings for store like small stories within the larger story. Right, Um, right. Obviously not in the film for everywhere, but that's what I could see.
0: We will just say, I mean, this is, you know, we're just starting to get into story elements and stuff like that. This is a reasonably brand new film. It only came out last week. However, by the time this actual podcast comes out, it will be out for a little. Beg it will be out for a little while. We are going to spoil the fuck out of this film. So if you haven't seen it and want to, and you care about things like spoilers, then stop mm. listening now. Go and see it. Come back. Listen to the rest. Yeah. If you don't give a fuck about that stuff, it's fine. And if you're a
2: big DD nerd, I would expect you've seen this already. So yeah. you know. But yeah, that's something that really took me as in like it felt like they got that tone right. Cause yeah, without going fully fourth rule breaking, like it's very much characters in a game, you could do almost like a being aware you're in a game type stuff. Without being that far, it still felt like you could see elements of, oh, this is a campaign run through. I've seen other reviews who also know the game better than I do, being like, Oh yeah, even though it's not directly referencing that stuff, it feels like there could be a human person behind each of the actual characters in it and you can okay. yeah and you can have moments mm-hmm. where they have good luck bad luck and all the things that come with dice rolls and things and that play out in yeah. in the way the uh, set pieces go that's and that's a, that's a really interesting, interesting way point. of being like of being able to make a comedy through that but without being so winky winky yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting point that I thought, but the fact that they could have gone completely that
0: way, they could have gone for something like, I guess, the Lego movie, yeah. where at some point there is that four-four full, full break of being yeah. like, oh, actually, cool. this is... You
2: can imagine yeah. somebody running at an enemy of, like, a really good weapon and just completely missing, and they're like, oh, I rolled, like, a one, you know, yeah. completely fucked yeah. this up, and then, you know...
0: The like halfway reveal that it's actually yeah, a game yeah. being played out and then going into some kind of domestic drama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know,
2: I I'm perhaps. almost half surprised they didn't do something to that to that element of pulling back the curtain a bit. And I think it's to the film's benefit that it doesn't really, because it does get to play in its comedy tone, whilst being real to the world it is it is portraying.
0: Yeah, exactly that. I think I think there are versions of that story that could have been interesting. But I think this balances the kind of perfect tone of being, we are treating this with a light so it's like, you know, it doesn't come across as overly silly. But at the same time, the world itself is really well established and realised, so you do believe and kind of accept the world you're in very quickly, but it is handled
2: yeah. with that lightness of touch. Be interesting to see what previous drafts did, whether they went further on that. Because like you can imagine the um, the Reggie Jean Page character as being mm-hmm. like, "Oh, this is the seasoned D anD D player who's just like amazing and overpowered."
1: He, he's your <laughs> he's your NPC who comes in and just he, like yeah. the board, <laughs> makes it easy for you, and then just gracefully <laughs> falls back to the sidelines so you can continue your story and <laughs> yeah. still be the heroes. Where let's be honest, as they say in the film, he's much better at what they can do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Well, we saw that in the credits, uh, Chris McKay, director of the Lego Batman movie, did have a story credit on this for a previous iteration of the script, because I think at one point he was maybe directing Mm. this. And again, I mean, he's someone who comes from a comedy background, obviously Lego Batman, and then uh, Renfield. So I would imagine that would have been similar at the end of the day. And again, that's the kind of Lord Miller connection as well. Uh, definitely feels like their sort of vibe in a lot of ways. Yeah.
2: And you know what? Speaking of Chris Pine, who is our main Star Trek connection here, he's someone who can do this wry, almost wink into the audience performance without it feeling like it's going full Ryan Reynolds. You know what I mean?
1: It's very charismatic.
2: Yeah. He has the charisma to be like, he's not just doing a Chris Pine shtick. Like it's very, you know, he's very different from his Kirk here. But there's a lot more, as we I think we've said before then, like he's becoming more like Shatner as time goes on. We yes. love it. We yeah, love it. Yeah.
0: The thing with Chris Pine, isn't it? He's got he's got the kind of matinee idol looks, everything like that, and he's got the charisma to play the lead and the hero. But at the same time, he has enough comedy chops to because you know, here he is the lead essentially but he's not actually your typical hero although he is a spy a, a harper but he is a bard as well like i think even though he's part of this weird spy society know, or at least he was like he's he's essentially a bard he carries around his loot all the time.
2: It's like you know
1: what's it exactly that you bring to this
2: i'm a planner i make plans
1: you've already made the plan, so if
2: the existing plan fails i make a new plan
1: so you make plans that fail. No. He also
2: plays the loot. Not relevant. Wow. So he's not the typical kind of hero He's
1: not swinging the sword. No.
0: He's much more. He's kind of you know, and he's he is wisecracking, but in quite a
2: subtle yeah. way. It's like the underdog crowd, isn't it? Like I'm glad they didn't make the main cast of this the, or the main characters be like your knight and your hero and all this, because it's like you want to kind of plucky group who do actually need each other's skills That's i want people point.
1: who are bad at things yeah if, if everyone's good at exactly what they're meant to do why am i interested in the story because yeah. they're obviously going to succeed
0: yeah well of course reggie jean page who's mentioned already is playing a paladin which is like a holy knight apparently and so he, he gets is,
1: magic so, <laughs> so he
0: is essentially that role like you say he is the kind of
2: person who yeah. can usually be the lead Many, many, and it's ways. like they know He's too good So we have to write About and, the story And that is
1: what I would feel It's like He wants to He wants to be having The <laughs> charismatic fun That Chris Pine's having But obviously they can't have Them both doing the same thing Too much
2: yes. Yeah
0: yeah And also I mean it, I kind of think They actually utilise him Really well here Yeah Because of course Brad uh, is on page Most famous for um, Being Stark Bridgerton uh, where everyone you know who watched that show very much fell in love with him, I believe. Like I think. and then he he famously left that show after its first season uh, and went off to try and become you know a Hollywood star. And really, in terms of, I think the only thing I've seen him is the Grey Man. Oh, is he in that? Yeah, he's in that. He's in, um, he's in that car ad. He, well, yeah. <laughs> he's in a famous Oscar-winning
2: car ad. Basically, we choose what we want our future to look like. So what's yours going to be?
0: But, uh, yeah, he was in The Grey Man in a very anonymous role where he, he really isn't memorable at all. And so when I saw he was in this, I was like, oh, that guy, is he going to really... And I feel they went... It's almost like he's one of those people who's, like, almost too good-looking, like, like, like you yeah, know, in terms of, like... Because he hasn't really, right now at least... Seem to got a very A super strong screen persona Beyond mm. his looks And here they kind of Use that to their advantage And kind of you know Make fun and light Of that aspect Like he's over serious He's kind of almost got A slightly Drax From guys Scouts yes, personality that. Of the take everything Literally yeah. but, it, but I I think His performance in this And the way he's written It doesn't just feel like They're no. ripping off Drax he, he does his own thing with it
2: ill-gotten booty <laughs>
1: okay. there's not enough gifts of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: he is really funny and you're right that kind of playing it straight but it's funny because he's playing it straight mm. riffs off so well with Pine like you know just thinking of the moment when he, when he walks off he's like wow he's really going off in a straight line oh
0: and also, the biggest laugh for me with it is when he is explaining how they're going to get over this bridge because <laughs> oh, yeah. it has it, the the bridge is like booby traps essentially, <laughs> and he's saying, right, we'll have to go in this this insanely complicated <laughs> way of getting across the. He's like, right, let me get half way. Now sure. it's even them. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it. And you, can see it, they cut Chris Pine. He's like, trying to remember <laughs> all the different things they've got to do, and then uh, oh, one Simon. of the other characters Simon who's a sorcerer played by Justice Smith like just literally <laughs> steps on the first rock it just all falls apart <laughs> and he just looks at him in such a kind of like his stony face way it's just like they hold on it for ages
2: it's, it's so funny. funny it's because it's like he's not even mad like whatever that expression no, is like-
1: he <laughs> yeah, sure. just it looks just like a tired
2: kind of <laughs> smile. <laughs> it's just like incredulous, isn't it? It's like,
0: like, how are you so pathetic? when you got this? <laughs> I
1: bet he already had like three other ways to get to that platform that he just wasn't telling you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and probably they were easier than the bridge option. <laughs>
0: Uh, so this is another one of the characters, Justice Smith, uh, Simon, who's basically a shit sorcerer <laughs> in this. It's like, that's the whole joke of the film throughout, that he is a sorcerer, but really not a very good one, which that I thought was fun.
1: Through a lack of confidence, because we clearly yes. see yeah, once yeah, he yeah. gets over that hump, he's actually quite good at what yeah, he's doing. Yeah, he kind
0: of gets better as he goes along. And I thought that was an interesting idea, because obviously... They deal with a lot of what I presume are kind of very classic Dungeons & Dragons archetypes. In it's the Barbarian, the Bard, the, uh, the Sorcerer, all these different characters... And I think having some fun with them because, like I say, he's not very good, but he gets better as he goes along. As he, goes, it's almost feels he feels more reflective of a player, like in terms of someone who's learning the ropes mm. as they go along, become more confident in their game plan.
1: Well, that's also because as your uh, character increases in level, you get to do more things. Like you physically have right. access to do more things. <laughs> so you may have access to certain spells at third level. By the time you get to 10th level, you've got extra spell slots for different yeah. spells at higher levels as well, so you can cast them with more force.
2: So this is the film reflecting on that idea, but baking it into like a character arc as you would see in a normal movie yeah. yes. really well. Like it doesn't have to be like a moment where he like literally levels up and he's like, now he can do a thing. It's like we we get that. We well, get that if you know yes. the game. But if you don't, but it's it's a more traditional uh actual character arc. And that's what I like about this in that it does feel like a traditional fun fantasy film in a way that actually does take time to bake in your characters and what they're going through and there's a few things recently like big stuff where it just feels really flat on that front and this is one to me that felt like no I had that time you mentioned Drax like I did get a very big Guardians of the Galaxy vibe out of about this from you know them all being losers basically yeah but that whole scene on the beach was when it really kind of First, turn me into being like, oh, they are doing something quite deep with these characters here, and it's you know, Chris Pine's big speech about failing and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love that, and I love, uh, I mean, because Guardians is is my favorite aspect of the Marvel stuff as well, and it's like I'd love. Films about ragtag groups coming together, and they're all a bit shit and all a bit helpless.
1: They're also led by Chris. Yeah. Yes.
2: Exactly. yes
1: yeah. a, 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 a,
0: a lesser Chris.
1: Well, I well, say, yeah. yeah. Chris usually <laughs> <can enjoy> do <yourself laughs> because he's getting up here now. With exactly. Exactly.
0: List. Although we did have the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. We did. Uh, prior to this, I am very excited. Yes. So there you go. But uh, yeah, I, I think that it works on those two levels very well in terms of on just a base level. In terms of standard characterization that will work for anyone who doesn't even, you know, because there will be some people seeing this who probably never even heard of Dungeons and Dragons at the end of the day. Like, you know, I mean,
1: I would say the majority of people who realistically will see this probably they might know it, but they're probably not played mm. it.
0: Oh yeah, well exactly. Like, yeah, in terms of it's one of those things where Dungeons and Dragons, even it's just like a now just famous as an idea in terms of like some might have gone, I've heard of Dungeons and Dragons, but not even quite realised what it is, going yeah. like, you know, I think it would do well.
2: Well, yeah, I really do hope there are more of them, because, you know, it's no mistake, no accident, you know, they call it Dungeons and Dragons colon subtitle. <laughs> but but mean, we just they, also, stopping out.
1: they also kind of set it up a little bit with Doric mentioning about how they're like the main, obviously they defeated the Red Wizard in their story, but there was who she was reporting to. Yeah. He's yes. not going to be happy. Yeah. So yeah. if he's not happy, what's he doing with
0: that? Yeah. But at the same time, one thing I did really like about this is, and I have heard the writers' directors talk about this in interviews, is this is a standalone film. Yeah, yeah totally. Like, they 100% can do a sequel. There's totally enough there in the world and the characters to do that. Um, but, you know, we watched watching the film, we got to, there was a little small mid-credits sequence um, in there it was kind of just a funny funny little thing Yeah. yeah. there's it no wasn't No, there's no post credits there's nothing actually setting up a sequel and there's nothing major in the film where it really feels like Unfinished. a wink wink yeah, yeah. we're setting the sequel up curve yeah. that's kind of that's
2: what I want for my franchises now be like, to have the goal to be standalone in every entry and then have that be a success and a good story uh, to allow you then to do another one like if every single one yeah. like if there is more can just be standalone each time because the second you start being like this is now a big, an extended yeah, story, this is now a trilogy, a connected
1: universe. then it just
2: becomes episodes again. And it's yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. make each one its own movie telling its own thing. Well, that's the thing as well. I think people have forgotten the fact that if
0: you make a world and characters good enough, Yeah. people will want to see those world and characters yeah. again you don't have to do it leave right first Easter eggs it to there. be like oh yes and what will happen in the next one I guess we're, we're teasing and in the next one the Joker's going to be in it And everything like yeah. you, don't, you don't need to do that because people just want to that's how sequels used to work yeah. everything like that like, yeah, we they made Beverly Hills Cop 2 because people want to see Axel Foley again not because the, the post credits <laughs> Beverly like Hills Cop like Bridget Nelson walked in <laughs> yeah, just like that's not the of way yeah. it works I think
2: we it would be really good to return well, I think one of my highest compliments I can give this is it feels like this is going to be a lot of kids' like favourite film, or like mm-hmm. a staple, like a real one they remember. It's a Saturday
1: like, afternoon film.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. like it feels like 10, 20 years from now it would be like, oh yeah, this is one that really kind of stands up because it is so complete in itself, and it's so confident in itself, and everyone stands out and stands proud. Like, you know, when the end credits are happening and it's kind of got moments throughout the film of everything, just like, yeah, there was a lot of cool stuff in this.
1: The end credits actually as well, like so. I thought the end credits were so fun because they're like this pop up or mm, this sort of mm. uh, interactive book elements where they're basically telling the story of what's happened in a medieval fashion. But I yes, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm am a sucker for like a good yeah. yeah visualization of what's happening in credits. Yeah, I
2: right. mean, yeah. yeah. This this I think you know I think it will stand up in a, in a way that you know like the first parts of Caribbean did as well. Mm. Uh, and I know there's so many franchises trying to recapture that magic. I think this could be the one.
1: It's very swashbuckling. Yeah. Like I know they're not pirates, but that's the that's the vibe it's giving me. It's roguish. It it's the first pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. It's maybe even like slightly like the mummy, like it's all yeah. like yeah, you know yeah. we're all having this we're having a bit of fun. There's a little bit of peril but nothing too much and we all go home at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cuz I mean this was 12A, right, as, yeah. all, as all kind of mainstream blockbusters tend to be these days. Yeah. But, you know, there's nothing in here, really, that's kind of, you know, you, I, I mean, anyone could watch this, basically, isn't there? I think that there's a couple of swears, maybe? There's a, few, there's a few shits, Yeah. You know. Yeah. But good. that's fine, deliver it the way that yeah. you like yeah, say it. exactly, that's the way it should be. Um, we should say, the kind of basic story of this is essentially, we find Edgin, who's Chris Pine, and Holger, uh, who I don't think we mentioned yet, but is Michelle Rodriguez, who's a barbarian character, imprisoned uh in, well, I guess, a dungeon, <laughs> essentially. Oh uh, it's some kind I'm of like a uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I, I'm just like, that's the only really time you get to kind of thing where I'm like, is that their dungeon representation? I but it's like a prison. And basically they've been in there a couple of years. And they try to get out and they got a like parole board hearing. <laughs> and I've got to say that's a really hilarious see, because there's this whole thing about they keep saying there's a certain parole board member John, you know, John um, yeah, the who they've been waiting to turn up. They were and he's been waylaid somewhere. And so he's <laughs> like, Oh yeah, is he turning up? Well, he kind of like tells his story <laughs> of how they ended up there, where it like is revealed that Chris Pine's character used to be married, he had a baby, unfortunately, his wife was murdered. But the baby was saved and then they met Michelle Rodriguez and basically joined a little kind of band together with Hugh Grant who's a con man and Justice Smith who mentioned before who's the sorcerer and basically pulled off like heists and con jobs together and stuff like that until eventually they were betrayed by Hugh Grant And also a uh, Sabina, who's played by Daisy Head, Anthony Head's daughter, Nepo Baby herself, who's a red wizard. And they escaped and left Chris Pine and um, Michelle Rodriguez to be imprisoned. And basically, when uh, the pro board members, was he called ja- jo- Jonathan. Jonathan? Jonathan, Jonathan, who's a kind of like bird creature type like thing. The big plan is they basically just go grab him <laughs> and smash out of the window, and then he will obviously have. To fly them out of there, and as they smash out of the window, one of the other prop is like, "Wait, but we were gonna <laughs> <laughs> like, Which well, is so fucking funny because, especially as they end up being fugitives in the film, you are like, "If you can, just beginning wait, them, it, yeah, if you just like wait, two minutes." And it kind of does set set them up perfectly as being these like loser idiots going you know mean? because <laughs> they basically fuck themselves in the beginning. I think yeah. it sets
1: the tone for the entire film. Yes. to be honest yeah. Though, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like they're like oh we've got to have this plan we've got to do this thing but actually
0: there's probably a bit of a simpler way to do this. <laughs> yes yeah yeah exactly well because i assumed when he was talking about it, it was going to be that he somehow knew that yeah yeah
1: exactly
0: he would be like sympathetic to them but it's like oh no it's it's that i think it's the fact <laughs> yeah. the plan itself is that dumb which makes it funny <laughs> you know? like yeah and then they even double down on it later with Hugh Grant With Hugh Grant I said she tries to Pull the same trick <laughs> And it fucks up Like yeah it's because, just, because, because they've
1: Replaced the window With, uh, with <laughs> stone wall Yeah so
0: Yeah I mean, keep trying To escape with Jonathan And Hugh Grant Who plays Forge in this Who's a con artist And one of the bad guys Of the oh, film so he, he, Yeah He's very funny In this movie I Do mean, you,
2: Don't you think He's given the sort of Performance Paul used to give In our Groove Doctor yes. Era <laughs> films I
0: was like This <laughs> it, is Paul's role Yeah <laughs> he was, uh, (laughs) He's a Larison film, and yeah, this is definitely part of this Hugh Grant's career path now. But since since Paddington Two, yeah, like he is playing like the funny villain role, and he is doing it extremely well. I mean, he's having a great time here. Oh, he's
1: chewing the scenery for every inch of work. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's so many funny moments with him, and we've mentioned him getting really angry about the piping hot tea yeah. and then that bit when he's on like a giant platform like, like yeah he's, he's just really like and he's like can you get me down from here it's absolutely absurdly high not what we agreed <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's like yeah. and I almost feel like that might just be like off-take footage of Hugh Grant I've had enough yeah exactly I mean considering if anyone's seen Uh, Hugh Grant's hilariously cringeworthy interview at the Oscars (laughs) where he was being interviewed on the red carpet and uh, was asked oh who are you wearing so he's like my suit (laughs) he just is not taking any prisoners
2: anyone you want to see win tonight like
0: no, really. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's very, very funny in this. I'm really enjoying this kind of late period of his career because yeah. he just seems to be having a bit of a. I don't want to see him die, which is why I'm going to leave the room. Paul's so. not dead, so can return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I hope he does. Yeah. I hope he does. Just ski oh. away.
1: Although we don't really know what happens to him.
0: No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, he's just in prison rotting away, isn't he? In the sequel, they they find they have to have him for some reason. They have to go break him out. There you go. That's it sorted. Um, But yeah, he's very very funny in this. And of course, literally, it's Hugh Grant like weak, isn't it? Because Operation Fortune has just just dropped on Prime Video. Finally, got his UK release where Hugh Grant is the bad guy in that again. Playing another funny car bad guy.
1: On your knees. Okay, chop it off. Chop it off. Let's do it. Uh.
2: You know what? I'm thinking they're probably sharper stairs somewhere else.
0: That scene where it's Michelle Rodriguez kicking ass while Chris Python is desperately just trying to escape his (laughs) chains.
1: <laughs> their.
0: Their, their double act is very funny in the film and a real nice kind of inversion yeah. because she's the badass character basically doing all the kicking ass and everything and he's the more softer character in uh, many ways. She's kind of the muscle uh, of the situation. And uh, Michelle Rodriguez is really good here. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Great to see her free from the Fast and Furious chains for a little bit. Yes,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: she was back
0: to those chains <laughs> free, free from Vin Diesel's cursive control. Yeah, like, oh, uh, oh, that we D see.
1: Vin Diesel plays D and D as well.
0: Oh, Vin! Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I bet he was annoyed about not being invited to meet. They'd be like every time Michelle, Michelle came <laughs> came on to the, you so for us all, the family. <laughs> <laughs> you invite me to be on this film, you like, uh, like, uh,
2: yeah, I don't know. That's. But I you weird, can't yeah. picture someone like Vin playing the Chris Pine role here. Because find no, someone who no, can no, laugh at himself no. and take that. Like, Vin, The Rock, forget it. They yeah, like, that's hey,
1: the
0: thing. All these guys, yeah. The Rock big, would be
2: like, well, I would break out of the rope immediately. they're like, <laughs> no, Dwayne, no, Dwayne, no,
0: Dwayne no, this is the joke. He's like, like I, I don't get, get it. it. He's <laughs> like, guys, but you, you got to understand, it's just not realistic. So, you know, it's like... <laughs> but yeah, that's The bro- I mean, that's The Rock though. Big Vin, The Rock. They're not willing to take the piss out themselves. In any, I mean, Big Finn, I think, just not willing to take the piss out of himself at all. I don't think he even understands the concept. <laughs> the Rock is willing to take the piss out of himself on his terms. Yeah. He will have fun with himself, but only, like, I will create the joke. Yeah. And
1: I'll still be
0: exactly, the name of yeah, it. But... Exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. Like, uh, like someone else going, yeah. oh, Rock, yeah, it would be really funny he... if we do this. He'd be like, no.
2: I think he used to, but now whatever's happened to him, like you can't see him doing the other guys now and like dying in a stupid way in five minutes. He'd be like, "Nah."
0: Well, or be cool. Mm-hmm. The uh, film where he plays the uh, Vince Vaughn's henchman, uh, where he's like a wannabe actor, and at one point he performs uh, the monologue from "Bring It On," <laughs> yeah. which is very funny, and it, he's great in that movie. And that's one of those early rock acting roles before he. When he was still proper. actually acting, well, yeah, because he was still trying. This he was having to prove himself, and I miss, I miss those roles for Dwayne Johnson, like things like Gridiron yeah. Gang as well, where he's really quite in Gridiron Gang. He's playing a football coach, but he's quite ruthless and does he does things in that which I think The Rock now, if he was producing the film for Seven Bucks or whatever his production company is, he'd be like, no, 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 I'm not going to be as, I'm not going to be in a, a young offenders prison cell and beat him up with a roll of paper. That's not going to happen. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's just like, that's the thing. He's got to be now, like, you know, white on white as it were. Like, uh, and it's just, and I think that is what sets Chris Pine apart. Is that he is, and like you say, he he is different what he's doing to the Ryan Reynolds of these worlds, and even like the Chris Hemsworth as well, because I feel like their comedy and their humor, and just like it's almost. It is very much about them and There's their a personality. About it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Chris Pine is is still very much invested in playing a character. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of like when he's it, we're not just like, oh, we're just watching Chris Pine. We're watching Chris Pine play this bard character. Like, you know, into ter- and that's I think the difference with him. Like Chris Pine still feels like an actor at the, end of the day. Like, you know, and we've seen him do very serious roles like Helen Highwater. We know he can do it.
1: Well, it's also because, obviously, I'm aware there's the uh, the Trekkie connection here, but it's your Chris Evans is Captain America. Yes. Your Ryan, Rezo- Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. Like, he doesn't necessarily have a super defining character like those guys do.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like you say, there's Kirk, but he now hasn't play Kirk yeah. in seven years. He's now kind of detached from that because, I mean, really, he's done both Wonder Woman films oh, since he, then. But if anything, like he's of, of, yeah. fr- of franchise stuff, that's now that he's now more synonymous with that almost yeah. because he's done those two films since then. But even then, like you say, he still very much feels like an actor. Obviously, don't worry, darling. There was yeah. lots of controversy around. But one thing that wasn't controversy around is Chris Park's performance in that film, where he is great. Yeah. yeah. He yeah.
2: comes across as a guy just living his best life, staying out of any online drama, and just going from project to project doing things that interest him. And it's like, that's the way to live, man. Like, yeah. He's, he's not pursuing any, like, ego agenda. He's like, I'll work with cool people, I'll do cool things. He's not things. necessarily
1: wanting to be a temple.
2: Exactly, situation. and I think he's aging more and more into a really, really more interesting character actor. Yeah. As he's, I think he's always been a bit of a character actor in *Leading Man*'s clothes, and he's slowly sort of coming out of that in a way, or going adjacent to it. In well, way.
0: I think he's just, for me, Chris Pine is one. He he feels a bit one for them, one for me kind of thing. Oh, like yeah. in terms of, because he does do like like you say, Kirk, Steve Trevor. This is essentially a big Hollywood botbuster. Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit, all that kind of stuff. So he has done big tempo lead roles or leading roles. But he's interspersed those with smaller things all, all the way through. And he continues to do that with, you know, Don't Worry Darling. And he's got a few projects coming up, including his directorial debut, yeah. Pullman, uh, which is essentially sounds like the plot to Chinatown but if the main character was a poor guy. Like, uh, but it's also got Danny DeVito in it. Uh, so, I mean, I, you know, so, I'm, I'm very, very interested to see what he comes out with. He's the lead of the film as well. But I am fascinated. It's in post-production now. So I would imagine it will probably come out sometime this year. I would imagine it will come. Kind of debut at a festival or something like that and then get kind of picked up could get that Toronto debut yeah, I'd I imagine it will, it will be coming out sometime this year and I, I think that's really really interesting and I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to see what he what he does as a director because he does feel like he's obviously interested in going down that route because that's, you know, that his first one as director, he's not gone the Michael B. Jordan route and, mm. you know, directed a massive blockbuster for his first film. Because that's the thing, I mean, he oh, could come and do Star Trek 4, he, get well, yeah, it together. It shows <laughs> that he, that they're constantly going through Star Trek 4 directors. He could have thrown his hat in the ring, and uh, but he didn't. He clearly wanted to direct something smaller to begin with. Yeah. And um, he's also on the go going to be a voice in Wish, which is the new Disney film this year. And also going to be in Robot Chicken, which I completely assumed was a movie version of Seth Green's cut stop motion animation comedy, but apparently is not. It is just a film that happens to be called Robot Chicken, where he is the lead playing the titular Robot Chicken, mm. uh, which is written by Chris Miller of Lord and Miller fame. So that will be another interesting one. I'm not quite sure what that would be, uh, but I think that's in post production as well. So yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, we should also talk about the cameo in this film, Bradley Cooper. No
2: idea. No idea. No idea. He opened the door change. and I was like, that is a small Bradley Cooper.
0: Well, yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah, so he plays a sort of hobbit man. At he? Okay, a halfling. Okay, a half Oh, God, that's a bit... Uh... <laughs> that's... I think, I think, literally, is just like, I think that's what we call problematic. <laughs> like, yeah, like, uh, potentially. Uh, but yeah, he's a, a smaller person. And uh, he it turns out to be Michelle Rodriguez's ex, um, in the film, and we see actually that she is a penchon for smaller men. When she meets another one later on, she starts giving him the eye. Like uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's an interesting, funny idea. And also, what I found amusing is the he's got a new girlfriend, and when she came through the door, I was like. Is she a proper giant? Because she looked bigger than Michelle Rodriguez. Like when she came through the door, I was like, oh, is this like a joke of like, she's into
2: smaller people and he's into
0: bigger people? Like, yeah, it's like, uh, but I did not expect to see him at all. And he
2: was quite funny. Isn't Still, it? every time I see or hear him, I can't believe he's Rocket because <laughs> I just, to this day, I can't see the Rocket voice coming out of his mouth. It's
0: great. Yeah, well, I mean, he's also become a bit of a thing doing that doing voices hasn't he because obviously Star is born as well yeah, he yeah. Uh, said she does uh, Sam Elliott's voice yeah.
1: like he drops it down like an entire like, yeah. octave no
0: I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, I literally just watched him in Nightmare Alley the yeah, other day finally watched that which was fucking great I've yeah. got to say and he was really really good at it and he's about to play Leonard Bernstein mm-hmm. in his second uh, film which I think is called Maestro is yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah exactly which Coincidentally, is what everyone's now calling Guillermo del Toro, who directed, like Alley*, which I don't get. Well, I just like to imagine he's like the guy in Seinfeld who demands <laughs> to well, Hey, Maestro!
2: Ah, hey, I'm in here, how's it going? Fine. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Bob. <coughs> oh. I'm sorry, Maestro. Yeah. This film's got such a great pace to it, and the, and the speed at which it pings around all its uh, moments and set pieces, it's a great mix of, like, there's always something going on, and it's always, like, A quest needing a side quest needing a side quest in a really fun way until it all kind of comes together at the end. But like one of the early ones we get is their trip to that graveyard. By then I was really sold on it when they have to like, you know, dig up these corpses and they get five questions to ask them. And the kind of like, you know, like comedy scenes that came out of that were really well put together with, like, fucking up so many things. And then piecing together what happened on this battlefield and sort of chasing yeah. the chasing the answers down body by body. And then Well, they keep
0: getting people who
2: died. Yeah. They?
0: they keep getting people who died too
2: early in the battle
1: yeah. to they tell them
0: what they needed to know. Oh not
1: even in the battle. Yeah, yeah.
0: Literally, yeah, there's a guy who, like, fell out of his bath or something <laughs> yeah. in the morning, yeah, which is a really funny idea. And like you say, it's, it's very well structured in terms of it feels like an actual... or. It feels like how I imagine an actual Dungeons & Dragons campaign to be in terms of, like you say, side quest, side quest, main quest, kind of thing, like, you know.
1: There are definitely, like, you know, you're going over here because eventually you'll get to your original yeah. goal. You yeah.
0: yeah, you've got to go over here to get
1: this, to get this then get you can go else. over yes. here. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And that feels, but it feels really well built in to the plot rather than mechanical, uh, which I think is quite an yeah. achievement in terms of the screen. And
2: it's that running idea of coming up with new plans, which is the whole side of Chris Pine's character, to the point where like, there's parts where they're like running three or four versions of like what they could do at once, pretty much. And it's like mm-hmm. interesting that it's not just like, we'll try one thing and then there's an obstacle. It's like, we're now preparing for these obstacles, so they're like, trying mm-hmm. to do one thing whilst there's other things going on. And uh, the way all of them managed to pay off is really interesting but yeah it initially starts out quite a to b to c from going to the graveyard to find out where the helmet's gone to meeting Reggie on page to heading to like the underground dungeony y lair and then the whole thing of the dragon and then escaping from there and then like going you know everything is heading back so yeah lots of like fun bits but i think the highlight the highlight for me because i love a good heist and i love fun with portals is the, the portal wagon heist yes because that was put together so well because you kind of I love I love films that manage to like get to a point where you're thinking I know what they're going to do, and then they start doing it, and they do all these other things. And you're like, oh, that's amazing, and then something goes wrong, you're like, and then that means this. So you know the idea of them smuggling a painting with a portal on it into a moving carriage, but to do that, it's using it to get underneath and then back in, and everything to do the with that. The
1: mechanics work. It's yeah. a fantasy heist, but the mechanics of it yeah. make sense.
2: And like all the little elements of um, of like peril, you can add to that with it flopping off and them hanging onto each other like underneath, and then pulling back up just in time. And yeah, and, well, especially
0: uh, the funny thing of Michelle Rodriguez creating a distraction unknowingly because she's on another hill <laughs> trying to pull Justice Swift out of the portal on her side, and literally <laughs> the knights come following, just look over and see that she's yeah. doing that, and it just looks like she's engage
2: some bizarre sex acts
0: or something like that yeah that whole sequence is very very
2: fun I've got a tidbit as well did you think that the guy in the painting was Paul Shear? no but I presume you are going to tell me it was well no I'm going to say it wasn't but I saw this painting I was like that's Paul Shear, like the likeness of Paul Shear in the image well, his letterbox review for the film <laughs> says, uh, "This is a really funny big movie. The cast rules. It strikes this really perfect tone that I haven't seen done right ever. Also, it's not me in the painting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they really draw a lot of attention to, yeah. that, to that painting. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: especially as Paul Sheer." I think you can imagine him knowing he, those guys. And like popping up in something. As well, like this, Yeah, and like popping up, so that is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, is a fun, that is a funny thing. Uh, shall we move on to kind of final thoughts?
2: Yeah, well, Linda, you had a really good bit of trivia. To
1: oh, yes. The, uh, the which maze I'm part. sure lots of people will hear about, it, will know by the time this goes out. Um, but it's when everyone's in the, the arena, in the maze, and there's obviously our main party, and then there are two other parties. Uh, and if you look closely, one of the other parties is actually dressed as a representation from the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from the 80s. So it's the same costumes that those people are wearing that they're wearing in the party. i
2: need to look up like a screen grab of both to yes. see how it like...
1: It's really like, <laughs> after I was like, Barbarian looked really familiar. And then I went away and I was like, it is.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did used to watch this cartoon like when I was a kid. Like growing up in the eighties, I'm pretty sure I did uh, watch some episodes of this cartoon back in the day. Uh, so you know, I've probably got some nostalgic memories if I go back and watch the uh, title sequence or something.
1: Title sequence is when they're on a they're on the Dungeons and Dragons roller coaster ride and they go through okay. a tunnel and then yes. they end up in this. Yeah, yeah that
0: is, Yes That's real the There we world. go Yeah Because yeah, isn't it in the show Isn't it that they're, they're Going to from home. going the real world Into the Dungeons and Dragons world So
1: basically the, the title sequence is How they got there Yeah So you see it every episode It's like We're in the real world And now we're in this yeah,
0: place in No I definitely remember Because I remember that element Of characters from the real world Going into and that world And then
1: the yeah. whole purpose Of the show Is to try and get back
0: Yes I believe Yes Okay, Linda, why don't you go first to your final thoughts and star writing on this Ooh,
1: film? actually a fun film to watch. And some people might think, you know, if you're not making like top top-ranking blockbusters that are people walk out the cinema and go, Oh my god, it's amazing! I must see it again, like right away. And you did it's, see it again right, see it. right away. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good film that you can enjoy, and you don't have to be clutching your chest after like two hours being like, Oh god, this is a bit exhausting. And it looks like everyone's having fun making it. Which is nice. Um, so I would say, really love it. We'll probably watch it again. Maybe I'll go to the cinema again to watch it. Um, I'll quite look forward to when it comes out on like either streaming service or DVD. Because I imagine there'll be like loads of extras coming off the back of this now. It's out. Um, star rating, are we doing out of five?
0: Out of five. And you can have half stars.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> um, I would probably give it a four.
2: Four golden stars. <laughs> yes. Okay. Matt. Yeah, no, I really love this. This is a really good surprise because it could have gone... I mean, it could have easily gone the other way of just being, like, feeling more corporate, more cash-grabby. I don't think it feels like that at all. But it feels like there's a lot of love here. As I said, I think it strikes that perfect balance between what a D&D movie can be without being full fantasy, separate from the game, or fully fourth wall breaking in the game. Great practical effects and everything in there as well. Jonathan, he's all real baby. Um, and a lot of other bits noticing through. We should say... Some great practical effects and also oh, yeah. some awful CGI ones. Like, oh yeah, well, no, I
1: think, it, I, think it, I think I think, it think it, fun.
2: yeah, I think it ties in well. But the fact that they're going for some practical stuff is really good, and clearly location filming for a lot of it as well, mm. uh, across Iceland and Ireland, I believe they went. But yeah, I think for me, it really works due to the writing and the cast. I think I think this gang is is a gang I really want to see again because I mean, you know, by the time the first Pirates film finishes, you know, your core gang being Jack Sparrow, Keira and Orlando Bloom. That was kind of you know at least only a trio and then they add in sort of Jack Davenport coming back in and Barbosa staying around. But and we this... never want to see Johnny Depp again. No, so. and this already feels like apart that... from behind bars. <laughs> <laughs> this already feels like that core five plus Hugh Grant as like the cast I want to see come back for more adventures, uh, which it could easily do. It zips by as well. It's like 135 minutes or something, but it doesn't feel like it at all because as I said, it's really well paced out. I think. it... Culminates in a really good way as well, bringing back all these elements that we've been building up about about character and MacGuffins, all sorts of things, and everything that kind of like you've been leading up to. So yeah, I'm actually you know I'm I'd be keen to see this again. Like I'm already like thinking back on it fondly, so I probably will catch it again. What's the star right Uh Forster. Wow,
0: there you go. Okay, I uh, you know I know I kind of made a joke about some poor duff CGI there. There are a few bits and pieces there, but I mean as uh, there are in every mainstream blockbuster these days. However, like you say, there's a lot of real world locations here. Uh, it was Ireland that they went to shoot. In Iceland as well, as you, as you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Ireland because I heard an interview with Michelle Rodriguez where she was banging on about how much she loved Ireland. And uh, you can really you can really tell that. Like, I know that there was a lot of sound stages, a lot of sets as well. And I, I think you can feel that. I actually feel, though, there is, there is obviously a lot of CG. there is also a lot of very real world feeling stuff like I think the use of locations like you know they've clearly found real castles and real kind of beautiful fantasy land landscapes and such like that and the actual practical costumes and uh, some of the sets I think definitely gives it a feeling that something like Ant-Man and the Wasp Uh, Quantumania Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't have where they're in a completely CG environment Mm -hmm. for the vast majority of the film not at all standalone in any way yeah whereas this actually kind of feels like it has some real world vibes to it I, I did think it was too long again this is a failing of most modern blockbusters when we went into this, I was already hungry.
2: <laughs> and
0: Linda says, well, you're about to sit through a two and a half hour film. And I was like, what? Yeah, it's like literally, like you say, 135 minutes, not quite two and a half hours. But I did feel the length at times just because it's just a thing how Every modern box has to be two hours plus. And I'm like, this is a perfect example for me for... for doesn't need to be that long. You can
2: make this under two hours. See so Mario Brothers ninety two minutes. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, there <laughs> you go. book my ticket now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, <yeah. laughs> but I, you know, but I said that's just a case that that's I. I think some pruning could have been done. You could have probably cut out one side quest. It would have been fine. But you know, it didn't. It didn't. You didn't fit too hard. It, it was okay. I I will give this three and a half stars, and it's a strong three and a half. And I kind of feel it's almost slightly unfair, 3.5. In terms of, I feel, in some ways, uh, I feel like, you know, I wouldn't even argue with your four-star ratings. It it's getting right when it could have um, gone very wrong. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, you know, I think we agree about all the good stuff in it. I feel this 3.5 is slightly tainted by just... I I'm bit, I'm a bit tired. Just an old spin. In terms of like, you know, <laughs> just an, wasn't an a, old I hungry wasn't
1: man. Asked, Would this have been a four if you'd had dinner before? Uh, <laughs> oh no, no,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I do not mean uh, tired through hunger, although that was uh, a was, thing. Okay. I mean tired because uh, we were having this conversation off mic <laughs> after my revelation after I went to see Out of the Lost, Colorado, about the state of modern movies, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, literally it is this thing and I was listening to the Big Picture podcast, excellent podcast with Sean Fennessy recently and he did an episode on Dungeons & Dragons where he did mention that there was an A-list cameo but didn't reveal who it was which was nice, which we did. (laughs) But, (laughs) um, he was talking about Dungeons & Dragons saying, Dungeons & Dragons is a good film but, a movie's just brands now. Mm -hmm. In terms of, because obviously we live in the world of IP Mm -hmm. and from that where literally the vast majority of mainstream movies and TV, movies, like, you know, are kind of based on some kind of pre-existing IP. And now he mentions this thing Dungeons Dragons, as an extension of that because, you know, we have all the Star Wars all the Marvel everything like that, but now it's kind of going beyond that. So now, obviously, we've got Dungeons & Dragons based on a game and everything like that, but also in the same week Got Super Mario Brothers in the movie. Also got movies like Tetris, Mm -hmm. which isn't actually an adaptation (laughs) of the game, but it is still called Tetris, and it's called Tetris for a reason. It's not called, you know, contractual wars (laughs) over getting the rights to a game. (laughs) It's called Tetris because people go, "Oh, Tetris," can they? And actually, that film is about exactly what the uh, war to get the rights. Uh, for the Tetris game to use in the Game Boy and stuff like that.
1: But what else are you going to call it? Yeah, Where's exactly. It? But then we
0: also got this week Air, mm-hmm. uh, which is More the IP? story of the Nike Air Jordan. That's, I mean, that's like a true story. That's not my really <laughs> but, but it is. But it is. Because this is the problem. That it what it is, Air 2. It, it, Air well, hard. I don't know. I don't know. It, like, mm-hmm. goes, because this is the thing. It is because the fact that it's called Air. it's not a case of that film wasn't made because they went oh what a great inspiring story it's made because they go people know what nike is they know what the nike air jordan is they know who michael jordan is <laughs> they'll want to see this and if you watch the trailer it's very much based around it's like the origin story of <laughs> yes. the superstar like who stepped into the iconic trainer that you are but you're like, I, you know
2: I, I do think we're heading towards a world where we live more in 30 Rock than we yeah exactly like. that well, that's like, a 30 Rock gag of like this summer the story of the trainers you're wearing
1: mm. yeah well to tie it back to Dungeons and Dragons the film mm. it's the 50th anniversary of D&D the game next year
0: yes because 1974 started doesn't it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, like this
1: is a lead this is a kick off to the lead in to that to the, to the 50th way, anniversary
0: yeah it's that thing of just I've had to really find solace recently in going back and watching older movies from a time when that wasn't the case. We used to make films about characters, yeah. <laughs> about original stories that had no connection to anything, and we I just agree. told that story in one film it was done, and we went, that, that was good. And we went on to the next one, Kelly. That's the way it used to work. <laughs> and that's the thing, it's like now I feel we had this conversation where I went to see Ant and lost Quantumania. And in the screening, there was a bunch of teenagers and they were talking all the way through the film. I got the incredibly worst. irritated and shouted at them. And then they shut up. But after thinking about it after the film, I was kind of like, they were dicks, obviously. And they made me angry. However, there's always been dicks in cinemas, but now there's a there's a whole combination element why people now find themselves like, talking during screenings. In terms of there's not kind of you know there's not anyone to keep an eye on. there's no security in cinemas anymore. There's not even anyone who actually comes into the screening and kind of keeps an eye on things. But I also think part of it, the reason why it's become so prevalent, where now actually you're lucky not to have talking wankers in a film. Is because we have essentially dumbed down mainstream cinematic product. And I love all these movies. I'm not, I'm not a hater. Right? I'm not like, you know, I'm not saying like, oh, I don't like superheroes, I go and see every single one. If I fucking love them. Okay? I'm a big geek, totally. However, these films that are being made now are essentially films for children. I know it's because I was a child who was into these things. And I'm still into them now, but those films are predominantly made for children, and adults also enjoy them. So we've dumbed down our cinematic product, so it means that all these people kind of go and they don't take it seriously, mm. they, because it's like, oh, well, it's not, it's not important. It's just an ethereal, silly thing. And whereas if they, they wouldn't be sitting there doing that watching fucking Baker with Robert Redford from 1980 <laughs> where he's trying to fundamentally change prison reform they wouldn't be doing that <laughs> yeah. and it's so the problem and all the kind of adult dramas like Tar or something like that have been pushed to the fringe when I went to see Tar no one was fucking talking during like Kate Blanchet composing some shit or I've been all conducting as it were like and it's just yeah I'm just frustrated yeah. I'm just frustrated about the state of cinema I kind of feel like this being that it was a new franchise that I'm not invested in. It kind of a bit of that rubbed off. Where it was just kind of like, it's fun, it's good, it's really well put together for what it is. But I'm just tired.
2: Yeah, I see that. I, I I'd be like, I'd be willing to see three other franchises completely die to allow this one to carry on. If we're gonna be. Re- reducing the number of replacing... Here's well, one
0: Ant-Man accurate. should have died in <laughs> yeah. Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania, and then it would have been a lot better film at the end of the day. So there you go. We could have killed one off straight away. <laughs> of yeah, yeah. So I'd like to apologise the writers and directors of Dungeons & Dragons, honor and fees, if I've in any way downrated your very good movie... <laughs> Because of the general state of cinema. Like.
1: You're just taking the hit for how you, William is feeling. Yeah,
0: exactly. But, you know, I do believe there is honour among thieves and honour among <laughs> you, sirs. And I will be there for Dungeons & Dragons 2 if it happens. But there is there no honour with Hugh Grant, <laughs> <do you?
1: laughs>
0: Uh But yeah, three and a half stars uh, from me. But I did very much enjoy it. And uh, Chris Pine, fucking awesome. Like, yeah. Come on the show, Chris. Anybody? Yeah, come on, yeah, come on. Yeah, come on the show, Chris, and talk about your Dracul debut. Yeah, I'd love to hear all about that. That'd be great. Linda, where can we find you online?
1: Well, generally speaking, I'm best found on Instagram or Twitter under the handle Linda McGee.
0: And you also, people, if you are going to follow Linda on Instagram, you do quite a lot of cosplay type stuff as well, don't you?
1: I do, and it will only be stepping up for my trip in July to San Diego Comic-Con.
0: Yeah, got, I mean, you can hear the jealousy coming yeah. off us. <laughs> frankly. And I mean, you're, you almost—you literally dressed appropriately for today's screening.
2: I, you is you, you I
0: look guess. like you could be in Dungeons & Dragons.
1: That's that's fine. I'm okay with that that description. There you go. Well, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think it's very... Good. We'll have to share out your kind of costume on
2: the main feed or something like that so people can see I came looking like a horrible Janellus blob. Hideous! <laughs> 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 idea. That's just so weird.
0: <laughs> and so, you can find us at Spocklike Pod at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and SpotlightPod at gmail.com mm-hmm. if you want to email us. If there's any Dungeons and Dragons fans or players who listen to the podcast and want to tell us everything we got wrong and what they thought of the film, uh, feel free to write in to Liam directly. <laughs> you yeah. oh, so
1: would like to be friends. Please come find me. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you actually, yeah. You
0: can probably play a game with uh, Linda at yeah. the end of the day on uh, online or whatever. So there you go. Yeah, it would be really interested to see what people who are already players of Dungeons and Dragons actually thought of this film. It's the thing is, like, I presume it's been well received. If you heard anything from the fan community,
1: uh. The general feeling I'm getting is, fun film, for people who are very experienced with Dungeons & Dragons, they can see the bits they've kind of skidded over, like, lo- either lore-telling or mechanics-wise, but everyone seems to understand that there's a level of they're having to do that because they need to make a film for, yeah, for a general yeah. audience.
0: They're not so, angry about it no being funny or, no, like, No, one, no one's angry. No one
1: I've spoken to has been like, terrible movie don't go and see
0: it yeah yeah because I was like oh but I think that speaks well of the fans that they're not like it should have been deadly serious how dare yeah. they make jokes
1: about it the one thing I have noticed on, online um, especially if it's only for people in America is that I believe there's a cinema chain in America that where you can get your popcorn in a Giant D twenty bucket. Those right. things are like absolute hotcakes. Like they have sold out across the country because everyone who plays D D wants one of those things. <laughs> D twenty bucket. It's. Oh, we should have went over the dice <laughs> so much yeah. earlier in the podcast. Twenty still, sided dice. A twenty like, sided dice. Right.
0: Okay. 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 So
1: there are many dice in the game. I'm going to teach Liam how to play later. Okay.
0: Well, right. This is. It's by now. It's probably cross midnight, and we're going to start our first. DD campaign uh, as an all-nighter so we'll have to love you and leave you Uh, until next time live long and prosper